Morning everyone. It is uh, so cool to be together uh, this weekend and uh, it's the weekend which in Zimbabwe we call Heroes Weekend. It's when our nation remembers those who fought in the Liberation War and at the same time this is also the end off of Olympics which has been a pretty different uh, Olympics for us to uh, be part of with limited people watching but it's been amazing to see some of the performance nevertheless. Uh, it's been great to see uh, Pete Wetzler um, doing so well. I think his personal best in a Zim record. Uh, it's been great to see Scotty Vincent uh, on the golf course as well. So it's, it's been such a privilege to be able to support and pray from our side, but just to watch it as well. People at their best, athletes at their best. Um, it's when the world gathers to, to, to look on these different athletes, the top out of seven billion in their discipline to sort of compete for Olympic glory. And they're seen as heroes for their countries. They are people who many aspire to be like. Countries rally around these people and there's obviously pressure on them, but it's because there's something that unifies us in that process. And if allowed, there would have been thousands watching. There's obviously been a few hundred here and there, but there would have been thousands in these packed stadiums, as we know from supporting different events. Now, in the world in which we live and now, and also in the past, society has different people who they look to as heroes. They've got, they've got different people who have different characteristics. They may be those who are famous. So there's many people, be it on social media, be it sport, be it the wealthy and successful, they're famous, and we look to them almost as heroes that we would like to live the life that they live. It could be a family member, someone who's had a huge impact in our lives and they're a hero to us. It could be actually a stranger who, for some reason, be it a car accident that they helped at or something else, someone donated a body organ out of the blue, they're a hero to us because of what they did, a sacrifice that they made. And they're people that we aspire to be like. Now, the heroes in our lives have such a powerful effect on us that if we really follow them and if we truly aspire to be like them, the way that we live starts to look a bit like them. We might buy the clothes that they promote. We might want to be in the car that they're in. We might want to live in an area where they live. We might want to say things the way that they say them uh, because being part of them brings in a community. Other people around, uh, we, we start to find this camaraderie and community amongst similar heroes and all of us want to belong as people we all want to belong heroes help us to belong to something bigger than ourselves now on this heroes weekend that we are chatting about i thought you know in the christian faith it continues the same uh, the principle is the same you see the hero of heroes in the christian faith is jesus but no doubt there's also heroes, people who've gone before, people who live now, who we look up to in the Christian faith to go, those people are making an impact. Those people are following the ultimate hero. But in a sense, we want to be like them because there's something in how they're living for Christ that's attractive, that draws us to them. Now, if we're looking to the hero, Jesus, and we're wanting to be like him, it's inevitable, just like other people follow heroes, that we'll start to look like him. We'll start to pick up his mannerisms. We'll care about what he cares about. Why? Because we follow heroes. We want to emulate them. We want to aspire to be like them. And similarly to other heroes, we'll find camaraderie in being together in a community. It's why we're doing the series on the church. This is a break week, but the series on the church, what you find is that when you have people of similar beliefs and, and at harvest, we're together with family, we find this friendship and camaraderie. Why? Because we follow the same hero together. 
And so today, I want to bring us some encouragement to um, each of us, wherever you're tuning in from, maybe you're exploring faith, maybe you um, are, uh, are a believer who's been following Jesus for a long time, maybe you're from a different church and you're checking in. I want to bring in some encouragement as we look to heroes of the faith and the ultimate hero. So I'd love us to pray and then we're going to dive into Hebrews 12. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this absolute privilege of diving into your word together. Thank you for technology that allows us to do it even while we can't meet face to face. Thank you for the fact that you are with us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are present right here, right now. Thank you that it's you who's speaking. I pray that um, my words would be your words. I pray that you would challenge us to the core. I pray that you would instruct us. I pray that you would shine as the ultimate hero as we go through the message today. Your powerful name we pray. Amen. Great, so if you have your Bibles, I would love you to turn to Hebrews 12. Uh, it's in the New Testament towards the end of your Bible. Um, you could look at it on your phone as well. There's some great apps, Version Bible app, the ESV Bible app. There's loads of ones to have your Bible handy. To give you a bit of context, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 11 has just tracked some amazing heroes of the faith. He's gone to, um, to, to many different people who've had a great impact for the Lord in that time. And so he's shared on this. He, uh, it, it's inspiring. It's encouraging. I want you to go back and read it another time just to see the kind of lives people led who considered heroes of the faith. Some of them suffered greatly. Some acted with powerful faith. They saw incredible miracles happen and come to pass. But ultimately, what made each of them heroes is that they chose God over anything else. God was so far above anything else in their lives. He was their hero. They, he was the one they were following. And as a result, they had a huge impact for him. They considered heroes of the faith. And so on the back of sharing for a whole chapter on these different people, the writer gets to Hebrews 12. And this is what he says. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud, uh, just uh, uh, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, in the Christian faith, our journey on earth is sometimes spoken as a race. In fact, Paul, who wrote a number of books of um, the New Testament, he talks about it in a few different places. Here, the Christian faith is being summed up as a race as well. And that's why it's awesome that we've just been watching people running and, and, and watching races happening. And this gives us a big picture as we look at it in light of the Christian faith. And so in this passage, it starts off and it says, therefore, because of Hebrews 11, because of all of these heroes of the faith, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And so in a sense, what it's saying is, imagine running a race and uh, the, the stadium where you're running is full of people cheering for you. They are people who've gone before. They are medal winners. They are um, people who are supporting you. And in the Christian faith, they're the ones who've completed their race. Um, they've been victorious. They've followed the ultimate hero. And in a sense, although they aren't with us, 
uh, in person, their testimony and how they lived encourages us and spurs us on in our race. They're cheering us to the finish line. They're giving war cries. Um, they're standing testimony to what it means to follow the ultimate hero. They have their wreaths. They have their medals. And they desperately want to see us win the medal, win the prize for Jesus. So that's the cloud of witnesses. Uh, Hebrews 11 is just a few of them. There's many others, many that will never ever know their names this side of eternity. But in a sense, you and I are running this race. God's called us to as Christ followers. And the grandstands, if we were able to see into um, the, the spiritual realm, in, in a sense, of if those people could somehow be with us, even though they aren't their stories, their lives have an impact. It's sort of cheering us on. It's encouraging us to the life God's called us to, to win another medal for Team Christ as it were. So you're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, these people who have gone before. And on the back of that, because of that, it says, let's run with all we have. It says, let's throw off. If we read here together, it says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. It's almost saying, let's not let their lives be lived in vain. Let's carry on how they lived. Let's carry on with Jesus as our hero and standing witnesses to the generations that will go beyond us as to what it means to live all out for Christ. Let's give our all, in a sense, as a tribute to Jesus, the ultimate hero, and to these other heroes who have paid a great price for us to hear the gospel, for us to be here today hearing from the Lord. And so how do we do that? Well, it talks about two ways. We'll get into others. But right now it talks about things we need to get rid of. Then it looks a little bit what we need to look towards. So what do we need to get rid of? Well, firstly, if you read here, it says, let us also, in light of this and these people watching, let us lay aside every weight, i.e. we only run in what we need. It would be pointless for a sprinter or a swimmer to have their outfit, but then to have sort of extra things tied on, a little bit of bling here and there, which just adds extra weight and prevents you running or competing at your best. We don't need fancy racing gear that doesn't help us to achieve the ultimate goal of winning the race. We're after the prize, so we need to get rid of anything in the Christian faith that would hold us back from winning that prize. So what is that to us as Christ followers? You know, for, for modern athletes, uh, what would you get rid of? Excess weight, so you eat the right way, you need to have the, the, the best energy, so you would sleep, uh, you would do training regimes. What does that mean to us as Christ followers? Well, many things. I think it's getting rid of religious rules and regulations, um, things that we do that we don't have to do, rules and regulations that we, that we follow, maybe in church structures, maybe you have to do this, you have to dress this way, uh, you need to read out of this book, all these sorts of different things that ultimately don't get us to follow Jesus. And this is what Jesus got so angry with the Pharisees about, because he said, you guys have all these regulations, how people must cut their hair and what they must wear. It's, it's, not, it's not allowing them to run the best that they can. It's actually adding weight to their lives, as it were, to prevent them from running all out for God. So it might be that. Um, it might be the cares of this world. It's a weight, in a sense. It holds us back. Uh, when it talks about cares, though, maybe it's comfort that you're after. Maybe it's status. Maybe it's success. But these are things that hold us back. When we look around and we're worried about what other people think and how we're doing in an earthly sense, it holds us back from going all out to win the prize. Maybe it's concern about what people think over what God thinks. Maybe it's that 
uh, we, we're more concerned about, well, if I really go all out for God, if I really um, nail my colors to the mast, as it were, what will, what will other people think? Might they laugh at me? Might I be left out of some friendship circles? We have these sorts of concerns. It's an extra weight that we need to get rid of. My wife, um, Sarah, and I were talking about this a few days ago, and we were saying, it's what has the attention of our heart. What has the true focus of our heart? Is it really Christ and his kingdom? Or is our attention drawn to things that aren't the ultimate one, which is Jesus? The attention of our heart. That's something that will hold us back, will be a weight to us. These all prevent us from competing in the race as we should. They all hold us back. They're awake to us. So then that's what the writer says on one hand. He says um, over there, he says, I lay aside every weight. And then he says, and sin, which clings so closely. Other translations would be sin that so easily entangles us. Um, it's sort of in a different sense to weight. It keeps us from running the race. So sin can hold us back. It can prevent us from getting to full speed. We're entangled, so we're trying to get to full speed, but we can't. It can hold us back off the start line or, or halfway through, and it can pull us off course, can entangle us, and, and we're no longer running in our lane. We're, we're sort of focused on something else. So the challenge for each of us is to deal with the sin in our lives, to deal with the things that aren't God-honoring in our lives. We'll never be perfect, but we want to pursue purity. We want to pursue holiness. We want to be like Christ. Anything else that's in our lives that creeps in, prevents us, holds us back from running the race he's called us to. We need to have soft, open hearts. We need to be ready to repent. You know, Jesus, if we're a Christ follower, he's paid the price for all our sin. What repentance does is it shows that we value what he did. So we come to him and we just say, Lord Jesus, I'm so sorry for this. Thank you for forgiving me of it, but please help me to live my life in a different direction. Please help me to break free from it, for it no longer to cling to me, but to be broken because I want to run for you. Don't minimize the cost of your sin and mine. It's why Jesus died. He had to die for your sin and mine. It's not a small thing. It's a huge thing. And so we have huge gratitude for what he, what he did. It should blow us away every single day. But it's something where we should always be, um, have our hearts open and saying, Lord Jesus, please just show us exactly where the sin is in our lives and to flee from it. So that's where it says there firstly, it says, um, uh, it, it says there, so firstly the weight, and then it says sin, which clings so closely um, to us. So those are the two things, right, that we need to think about and focus on. And then it adds an extra, and it says over here, uh, if we read it, it says, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. So our race as Christ followers is not a sprint. It is a long distance race. It may be a marathon. It's an endurance race. My challenge to you today is have a long view of your faith. Have a long view, the trajectory of your life now and into all eternity. Have you counted the cost as Jesus told us to do? Maybe you're thinking about being a Christ follower. Maybe you're thinking about your faith. Jesus says uh, in Luke that we need to count the cost. We need to count the cost of what it's going to take to live for Christ throughout this lifetime. So think about that because it's an endurance race. Don't expect instant and easy results. We live in a culture, we want things to happen like this. 
maybe not in Zimbabwe, but uh, in, uh, in, other, in other nations. It's you order and it's there within two hours. You want something, you want it now. You want food delivered, it must be done straight away. Things are slightly different for us here, but we live in a world that wants instant results. The Christian faith is long-term. It's an endurance race, so we need to be prepared for that. Instant results are not God's way. He develops our character over time, and he cares a lot more about our character than he does about convenience, about ease of life. He's after a heart that looks like him. That character comes about through perseverance in the good stuff and in the tough stuff for us to become like him. But look at what it says here. So um, uh, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So the race has been set. It's not a surprise. It's not something that we don't know what the future looks like. It, there's not going to be suddenly you come around the corner and there's suddenly a mudslide that you, you didn't see before. The race has been set in terms of the Christian faith. It's not complicated, but it also isn't easy to run the Christian race. We've been shown the way by the ultimate hero Christ, by the heroes that we've read about or that you can read about that have gone before. Don't allow your eyes to drift to another race, to suddenly wonder what's beyond the stadium, beyond the track that you are running in. Stay focused. Stay focused on the race that has been set. But who exactly do we stay focused on? How exactly do we stay focused? Well, this is what it says in the next section. So it says, uh, uh, run with endurance the race that's set before us. And then how do we run with endurance? Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. How do we run this Christian faith? We look to Christ. We look to Jesus, the ultimate hero. He's the one who founded our faith. He was there at the beginning, there before the foundation of the world. He founded our faith. It's about him. And then he perfected it. What does that mean? Well, it means that he ran the race on earth perfectly. He was fully God and fully man. He ran it perfectly. So if there's anyone for us to follow, yes, we can see examples from, from people of the faith, but, but everyone else still has sin in their lives. They're great inspirational examples, but they still have sin in their lives. The only one who perfected our faith is Christ because he did it perfectly. And so we look to him. He is the only one who can be our savior. He is the only one who is Lord. He is the only one who is in control. He is our ultimate example. So friends, we follow Jesus, not a version of Jesus that we prefer than the version that's in the Bible, not a version that we might hear from certain preachers that's different to other preachers. Um, so, so it's not a version of Jesus. We look to Jesus. And I believe um, in our world today, the two greatest dangers, the versions, the counterfeits of Christ, as it were, the counterfeits of following Christ that are happening in our day today when it comes to faith are the progressive gospel and the prosperity gospel. And these have been around for a while, but in different times, it'll be different ways. The enemy always finds different ways to attack to keep us from following the author and perfecter of our faith on the race. We need to be aware of this. The progressive gospel, huge in society at the moment, it basically teaches that you can gain the benefit of Christ being saved from your sin but then without really the lifestyle that goes with it. So you can pick and choose. Uh, you can 
take certain scriptures you like, you can remove others, things that society is going after, you can, you can kind of live your Christian faith exactly the same. You can remove things that you aren't comfortable with and you can kind of settle wherever you feel. It's kind of your own fit, your own kind of Christian faith. Um, it may use fanciful language, complicated language, um, Greek and Hebrew, um, but, but all to try and get across uh, a different kind of Christian faith, different to what Jesus shared, different to how his disciples lived. The bottom line, it isn't the real Jesus. It diverts from the whole picture of scripture. It diverts from the author and perfecter of our faith. And so read all of scripture, immerse yourself in all of God's word, test what you hear so you don't go off track in that regard. The next one, which is having have, wreaking havoc in Zimbabwe, in Africa, and in many respects has been an export from other nations, but it is the so-called prosperity gospel. And this basically teaches that Jesus is your way to the blessed or easy life. Jesus is, is kind of your genie. He, following him is kind of your way to get what you want. The poor give all they have, and it breaks my heart. I've heard countless stories of this. The poor give all they have to see their leader wealthy beyond comprehension in the hopes that somehow they'll get that same sort of wealth from Jesus. Come to Jesus, and he will make you healthy, wealthy, successful in this lifetime. It's almost your right, and you receive it by faith, by, by sowing the right kind of seed, um, by uh, by honoring the pastor. It's kind of your access to it. If you do that, it's like a tick the box and you get the things that you want. You can assure that you don't get sick, that you gain wealth if you just have faith. It's kind of a, it, it minimizes following Jesus to a mechanism to get what you want. It's not about giving your life for Christ. It's almost that he gave his life so you can get everything that you want in this lifetime. But isn't that kind of what all of society is going after? Doesn't that kind of put us in the same camp that we, we, we're kind of just using Jesus as a means to get everything that we want that the rest of society is after? Learjets, mansions, gold watches, lavish lifestyles. You're blessed. It's what he has for you is what some might say. Except for one thing. The real Jesus never ever said that and he never ever promised that. In fact, he lived totally different, so did his disciples, so did the majority of heroes of the faith, so did those in church history. Jesus, his disciples in church history, didn't focus on earthly comforts. In fact, they warned of the dangers and they warned many times. Friends, it's about what we can offer to the great king who has paid the greatest price out of love for us. My girls were just reading this past week the parable of the sower. And Jesus shares there two things that stop us from being fruitful for God. One, it's the cares of the world. Two, it is the deceitfulness of riches. So why would we buy into a gospel that encourages us to focus on the things that Jesus says we need to watch out for? Surely people should be directing us who have fallen Christ in the opposite direction. We should be warning people and saying, listen guys, there is massive, massive danger in wealth and the pursuit of it and the cares of this world and the focus on comfort in this lifetime it's dangerous it can prevent you from running the race god has called you to friends wide is the way that leads to death and many take it don't be tricked the progressive gospel the prosperity gospel it is not the real gospel it is a counterfeit it is not 
the real Jesus? How do we make sure that we don't fall into this trap? How do we as leaders at Harvest make sure we don't fall into this trap? Well, we read our Bibles and all of it. We take all of what God said. We don't cherry pick verses out of context to fit what we want our selfish lives to be like. Be careful who you listen to. Make sure that they're telling you what scripture says. Not their version of scripture, but what scripture says. Does Jesus give us the abundant life? Is he an amazing provider? You bet he is. He's a heavenly father who loves us, who cares for us greatly. But does his abundant life look like what society says it does? No, it doesn't. If I look at those who, we look at the heroes of the faith, if I look at those who are heroes of the Christian faith, does their life look like what society counts as the abundant life or successful life? No. In fact, it's usually the opposite. So test what you hear, including from us as an eldership team. We get together and we want to make sure that we honor Jesus, but our doors are open. We want to follow Christ with all of our hearts. We want to look to the author and perfecter of our faith. He is our example, how he lived, what he said, his followers, the writings of scripture. We want that to be our example. Not we want to make it to be, we want that to be our example. So finally, as I close, it says there at the end, we look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And then how do we complete this endurance race? How do we finish strong? Well, the same way that Jesus did, the same way that the apostle Paul did, the disciples did. How do we do it? Well, it says it over here, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising its shame, going through with it anyway, in spite of the mockery that it was, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So how do we get through this race? How do we live how we're supposed to? The way Jesus and his disciples did. For the joy set before. For eternity that lies ahead where we will be with Jesus. Where there will be no more pain, no more sickness, no more suffering, no more sin where we will get to see Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, face to face. Where Jesus is now seated at the right hand of God, we will see them face to face in perfection for all eternity and spend forever with them. That is how you endure the race when things get hard. That is how you live through difficulty. That is how you receive reward for all eternity. It's not through trying to preserve your life and mine uh, here on earth to live a comfortable life. It's the opposite of that. Imagine if Jesus chose that life or Paul of the disciples. Imagine if Jesus was like, to be honest, guys, um, I'm, I'm actually not up for really doing what, what, what God's asked me to do. I'm just actually up for comfort. I'm up for the easy life. Well, do you know what? We wouldn't have been saved from our sin. We wouldn't have heard the gospel. The gospel wouldn't go to unreached people around the world. Why? Because what Jesus asked of us and how he lived is opposite to a broken world. Jesus and his disciples were not pursuing earthly betterment in the slightest. It wasn't even on their radar. That was too small a thing to live for. Friends, living for yourself, for your comfort, and your success is too small a thing to live for as a Christ follower. When our gaze, like Jesus, moves to our lives ahead, um, when it moves to eternity ahead for the joy that is set before. We can handle the difficulty now. Why? Because perspective changes everything. The perspective, the lens through which we see the world changes what we can handle in this lifetime. 
Friends, death loses its sting for us as Christ follows. Jesus could see death and go through it and pursue through it. So could um, almost all the disciples, but one who were killed for their faith, um, those who've gone through difficulties and trials and sickness, you can get through it. Why? Because look at where he is now. He's seated at the right hand of God. Death in this lifetime loses its sting. A man who I uh, have admired deeply for, for so much of my life, a man called Willy Peters, uh, he was the chaplain at Eaglesville, had a huge impact on many people. Uh, just this quiet, humble, gentle man who was passionate for Jesus. He died um, on Friday. When I say died, he walked through the doors of eternity to stand face to face with Jesus. He, he, he endured. He had difficulties um, health-wise, pulmonary fibrosis for nine years that he should have dealt with and the whole time he just loved Jesus and trusted Jesus. What a testimony of his passion for Christ to stay serving, to keep loving regardless of earthly trial. That's the testimony of the heroes of the faith. That's the testimony of Christ's disciples. What a welcome he must have had. He is a true hero of the faith, now in a sense cheering us on from the grandstands. He followed Christ, the author and perfecter of his faith, regardless of what came in this endurance race. He followed him. He has received his reward. That's my prayer for everyone listening today, that we would live, truly live as Christ follows, that we would feel that sort of hidden inspiration of the cloud of witnesses who've gone before, the cloud who've lived all out for Jesus, who have not looked at earthly betterment, who have not worried about success and status and have said Jesus is the one that we follow no matter what the cost is. That we would look to the ultimate hero, to King Jesus. That our eyes would be fixed on the joy that's set before us. That we would run the race we're called to in this lifetime regardless of the cost, regardless of the trials that we may face. We will live for him because he is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. Let's pray together now. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the heroes of faith who've gone before. I want to thank you for those who fixed their eyes on you. No matter what the cost was, they saw that you were worth it. They weren't after trying to be heroes in this lifetime. Success, wealth, the easy life. They were focused on you. And only you and the joy that was set before. Father, I pray that you would save every person tuning in now. You would save each of us from deception. You would save each of us from trickery. You would save each of us from our own selfishness. Father, that we would look to you, Jesus, all of you as seen in scripture, that we would run with endurance, sold out in spite of difficulty, in spite of trial, we would look to the one who has overcome the world, who has defeated the grave. Thank you, Jesus, that death loses its sting. Thank you, Jesus, that we can handle the tough stuff because we know that soon, very soon, we get to see you face to face as Christ follows for all eternity. What an absolute joy. If you don't know Jesus yet today, you can turn to him right now. You can give your life to him. You can say, I want to join the race, Jesus. I, want, I, I recognize that you are the author of faith. You paid a great price for my sin. You lived the perfect life. You died and defeated sin. And I, I need your forgiveness today. 
can turn your life to him today and you can get in touch with one of us as a team. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to live for the only one who is worthy. For you, King Jesus, your powerful name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. I pray that it's encouraged you, it's inspired you to live for the ultimate hero. And uh, we pray that you have a great week. Please know as a team, we're here, uh, we're available um, to, to help as best we can, to pray with you, to support you. Um, we, we just love God's church. We love being part of his kingdom advance on earth. And so I pray that you have a brilliant, brilliant week ahead as you live out the purposeful life that he's called you to. Thank you so much.